Welcome in to Defeating the Curse. We are officially now in the worst, what, 10-day stretch between no football or the last football games. It's two weeks officially from the end of Championship Sunday, Conference Championship Sunday, and the Super Bowl. We are smack in the middle of week one. We're not short on stories, though. There's a lot of controversy. To the best of my opinion, FP, I don't think Goodell has made a statement Mina, you know, you were on the record basically saying you can't go against Brady. I think you ended up going against Brady uh, ultimately. So three-man show. We got a lot to discuss. Let's go early game first. Uh, well, we'll talk about the NFL just for those that are that want us to set the table. Apparently, that's a that's something that we should be do, we should be doing more of these days. Which is what are we going to talk about? We need like a little ticker or like a rundown. We need a stat boy, someone to keep us like a clock or something that dings. So we move between topics, but we'll talk NFC championship. We'll talk AFC championship. We will talk about maybe a quick Super Bowl, like quick, quick analysis or gut feeling about how this game is going to go in about a week and a half. It's time. Let's talk about the Wizards who are on a heater. I think they've won six of nine. We could talk about the Caps who are on a less of a heater, I guess is the best the, way to say it. The and opposite. Then, yeah. And we <laughs> got to talk about uh, hashtag fire Bruce Allen and the ridiculous ridiculous conference or uh, interview that he gave the first time he speaks to the media officially in a year and a half. It feels like it feels like much longer, but he's still here. So lots on the rundown. Let's just go from the top NFC championship game. I I mean, boys, it's pretty clear that the, I I don't like when we say that the saints were robbed or this team was robbed. That was the worst non call. I think I have ever seen in, in football, like in professional football in any football. Am I wrong here? Was it not the worst missed call ever? FP, you go first. I will say maybe not the worst, but it's definitely going to be one of those plays that completely change the the future of the NFL because you have to assume the competition committee, even with uh, especially with Sean Payton on it, they're going to sit down and they're going to be like, listen, coaches need the right to challenge PI calls or challenge these calls or whatever. And that's most likely going to be what happens, at least from – from my understanding or my prediction, which the problem with that is you get game delay and all that garbage. But when it's something this big and when it's a play that blatant, it should be reviewed. You you can't be a league that wants to make everything better and preach player safety and preach all this stuff and then have such blatant calls missed. Both games actually had bad calls, right? Because Brady also had that like phantom... Uh, roughing the passer call but this one was so blatant it was so disgusting like if you're that line judge or referee like you gotta throw the flag right because worst case scenario you can just pick it up and put it back in your soccer in your pocket or wherever it is you you can't not just let that go and frankly i think the nfl here like this is a topic that comes up from time to time everyone every like every time there's one of these like terrible calls that no one can explain like the was it a catch you know, when Megatron caught the ball, put it down, and he's like, I clearly put it down. Like, of course I had full control of it. And everyone's like, no, you didn't make a football move. Like, all this nonsense. Right, like, the, the roughing NFL, the passer else, garbage. It steps into it every, like, I don't understand why, just make everything reviewable. Everything should be contested. Like, why Why isn't a blatant miscall? Like, why, why can't you review it? I, I just, I don't get it. But frankly, like, I know, Mina, I know you're not a Drew Brees guy. Even you didn't want to see him lose like that because, frankly, they had the game in the bag. You figure maybe he doesn't need to be throwing there, right? And I, I do understand this concept of like if you, you know, if you if you 
Like, if you want to win, you stop them, right? Like, play better defense, score more points. I, I get all that narrative. But, I mean, that was such a terrible call that even you, not Drew Brees fan guy, have to admit the NFL completely botched this. I mean, I'm going to... I'm going to disagree with LP slightly, and I think that was whoa, the whoa, worst. Whoa, FB, FB. L- LP is uh, LP's under uh, under the stairs somewhere. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we got FP on the show. FP, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, no, I'm going to disagree with you slightly, and I think it was the worst non-call I've ever seen. I mean, that was just bland. And, like, I read a stat that, or I saw something on ESPN that said if they had made that call, the Saints would have been likely to win by 98%. They would have won 98%. But because they didn't make the call, their chances went down to 78%. Now, that being said, like, I will say this. There were some bad no calls for the Rams as well. I think Goff got hit, and they didn't call a personal foul. And I think that taking the game into overtime, I mean – to me, that they had just as much chance to win, so I'm I don't really feel bad for the Saints, to be honest. Okay, but but okay, let's talk about overtime too, because frankly, I'm not satisfied with how overtime is set up in the NFL. Like, at it, least in the playoffs, a, in the playoffs, it should like both teams should touch the ball, right? right? Like, this isn't this isn't like some throwaway game between the Redskins and the the Raiders or some garbage that is essentially meaningless, right? This isn't the the phantom no call against uh, Josh Doxson when it could have potentially the Redskins could have won a game because, you know, there was a pass interference that was blatantly missed. Like, this isn't that. This is this is the pinnacle. This is like the, the penultimate game in the conference. The winner is going to the Super Bowl. Like, you know, if I'm a Chiefs fan, like, I, I mean, or, or even if you're not a Chiefs fan or you're not a Brady guy, like, everyone should have an opportunity to touch the ball, right? Like, I understand you if you, you want to win, you got to stop them, but it's almost not fair, especially when we when we shift here. Let's let's talk about the Chiefs just for a second. Um, you know, the Chiefs' offense is extremely, I mean, one million times better than their defense, and they had marched up and down the field on the Patriots during the second half of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter. They dominated the Patriots. They scored thirty-one points in a quarter and a half. Basically, you would have to imagine if that coin flip goes differently and Mahomes gets the ball, the Chiefs win the game. They were. They were abusing the Patriots defensively in the second half, primarily in the fourth quarter. So as a football guy, like I'm sitting here watching and it was great theater, but like I'm I'm not satisfied. Like both teams, when it goes, when you're in the playoffs, both teams should have a chance to touch the ball. I I think this is a a no brainer for the NFL. Dude, I can't imagine you guys disagree with me. I'll I'll tell you. I mean, silence is I, I agree that both teams should touch the ball, but I have zero pity for Kansas City because they essentially couldn't figure out their offense for the whole entire first half. And then on top of that, why would Andy Reid not take a timeout when overtime started and, and give his defensive players a rest? Why not do anything to, oh, to on, give your defense on, a chance? Was, no, 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 no. But, no. But come is, on. You give them a chance is, to do what? To, Tom Brady to catch was also their going, breath. You can't okay. have Tom Brady go hurry up drill when when they've been on the field basically the entire second half of the fourth quarter already. They're already winded. You, they come out in overtime uh, upset they didn't okay, get the points. But is it, time out, is give it, are you, how can you be satisfied with potentially the MVP of the league in Mahomes not touching the ball because of a coin flip? 
Get it? You know what? No, get it done in the regular. Yeah, get it, get it done. Like you had game. you had four whole quarters exactly. to get it done. Exactly. It, you you have whole, four whole quarters okay, to get they, it done. And and Mahomes, okay. listen, Mahomes, Mr. MVP, made a lot of costly mistakes early on and got sacked what fourteen yards for a loss twice yes. in a row, and yes. when they easily could have scored. So there's no pity there because they choked essentially in the first half. The Patriots came out sharper, crisper ready to play a championship game and the chiefs were not able to match them punch for punch in the first half. So there's no, I, I agree. The overtime format sucks, but I don't, I mean, it's better than it used to be right. Like once upon yeah. a time, it was just whoever scores first, it was right, essentially yeah. sudden death. But I, I think when you get to the, I, I, I mean, so I don't necessarily think that they should play the entire 15 minute overtime period. Although there's some people, Clay Travis primarily is the one that champions this idea that like, once you get like to the playoffs or the championship yeah, minimum do championship week or the playoffs, just play fifth. Just quarter. play the entire fifth quarter like under regular rules. And if you still have a tie, then play. You know, you can either go college like shootout style where you get the ball to forty, whoever doesn't score loses, or you just then you can go to sudden death. But there's too much on the line, like for for the Chiefs' season to end because the they're the one of the best offensive units in the league didn't get a chance to touch a ball, the the ball. Like it sucks. It it does suck, and, yes, and I would argue it it's not it's not fair. But I get I get the other side of it. Go ahead, go ahead. But man. it does. But here's the thing: it does suck. I'll, I'll agree with you there. And to be honest with you, I don't really mind the overtime rule. But I will say this: that the the Chiefs' Achilles heel all year has been their defense, and they're ranked thirty first in the NFL. If you ask me, they definitely don't deserve to go to Super Bowl. Not with that defense. That's a terrible. Okay, but didn't a part of you want to see that beautiful rematch of one of the best games ever played? That was right. That was one of the the best. best Forget about Thursday night games. Best best game I've ever seen. Yeah, that's probably the best game I've ever seen as well. But you know what? Both both teams gave us a hell of a game. Um, Like the the championship games this this past weekend were awesome. Like I love it. Easily the best day of football. The best eight hours straight of football I have ever watched in my life. Yes, it was awesome. So. On a on a one last note here on the Saints game because I do feel bad for the Saints. It, you know there is a there is a scenario where Roger Goodell can force them to replay like the last two minutes of the game, basically from that missed call. There's also a lawsuit that's out there. The fans are suing basically over this uh, this this non call costing them the season. There's some fans that are suing for the refund of uh, the ticket prices to attend the game because. Basically, the the refs made a terrible call. Uh, I mean, do you think anything will come of all this belly aching? I can't imagine that Goodell somehow makes them strap it up and f- and replay three and a half minutes of football. Uh, I, I just, I mean, he has the time to do it, but there's no way that he's gonna. I mean, they haven't, they still haven't made a statement to the best of my knowledge yet either about the end of the game. Like, I'm officially it, you acknowledging can't... that they made a mistake, but. You can't take you the if you were the NFL and Roger Goodell, you can't take the bait and you have to completely ignore that because if you set a precedence from now of fan base suing the NFL or teams that have to replay because of a botched call, when you already know you have an imperfect system that is your referee play or uh calls, you can't take the bait and then just open that floodgate. It it's a lose lose situation for the NFL. It would be the dumbest thing the NFL could do. But they do have to fix this rule. Like, they do have to fix this. Like, you can't challenge a, a missed play. Like, 
there's a bunch of stuff like you know to me like the, this right and i mean, and I mean you, you would assume first down that's stupid too yeah and you would assume uh the sean payton is going to be adamant about that when it comes to the the competition committee and be like this is something ridiculous you have to fix it I, it's it to me it's insane it's also insane to me that you can't um advance a muffed punt and, and get a touchdown like that to me that's a crazy rule as but well hey, i'm with you on that but you know oh, if yeah. we're talking about what's crazy or things that the nfl can fix they, sh- they shouldn't be sending the zebras to go look at under the hood anymore like they shouldn't be doing that on the field you like want, all the broadcast from booths, new york yeah all the broadcast booths like if you're going to challenge something we like how do we reach a conclusion in like 30 seconds on tv between the commentators and the officiating like yo uh, whoever it is that's in the booth or, or like back at headquarters that's watching the game and giving the referee insight, just have it all come from there. Like, like keep the judgment human element to the, the, the zebras on the field, calling penalties, not penalties, whatever. But once you go into review mode, it shouldn't be them on the field. I think that there's, there's too much pressure on them to get it right or wrong. And frankly, they may like, I mean, this is well documented too. There's more, resources on tv replay cameras than there are under the hood like under the hood there's they're not seeing i don't think they see the broadcast replay i think they're seeing uh, like some referee specific re- like I, I don't official, know what they're seeing official nfl but it takes film. too long it, it no, takes I'll agree too with long that. yeah just, i mean just let it come from new york and move on like you know the um, he gets he gets buzzed and that's it like they do this in soccer right the re- goal reviews are immediate and there's just well, it's a little different because there's technology. There's like a sensor in the ball, and when the ball crosses the plane and, and actually goes in the goal, it buzzes the the referee regardless of where he's standing. He he knows that a goal was scored, right? So it's a little bit different in soccer. But the idea that like you can centralize review, pay those guys whatever they want, and and just have it all centralized, remove it from well, the field completely. You're completely right about removing the human aspect of it because I can guarantee you, the ref that in that Saints game didn't make the call. Because he doesn't want to be the guy single-handedly deciding who goes and doesn't go. Because it, if he does make that call, then you have all the Rams fans freaking out. It's that's why he's no, just but like, that was a blatant call. No, no, I I know, he but got I'm his saying head knocked from, off. I'm saying from the 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 eyes of the ref, he's just like, I'm gonna pretend I saw nothing, which is stupid because everybody knows he saw it because we have cameras pointing at him looking at it. But from his point of view, he's like, I don't get paid enough. But for they this. make mistakes. No, but, they, they, but they make mistakes. It's okay to make a mistake. It's it's not okay that the coaches and the everyone on TV and everyone else can't say you made a mistake. We are, it's okay that you made a mistake, but we have to get the call right. We have to get the call right. That and that's ultimately what everyone's pissed off about is you and got I, the call wrong. And I think they're gonna change the rule, and I think they should allow the coach to challenge that and. and from all of this, I think that's what's going to end up happening. Is this this is going to change the NFL? I think. I think um, that the red flag just needs to be a an effort. I I have say over everything, and I want this to be looked at. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Mina. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they should be able to challenge pretty much anything. Um, and, and I think it should be three challenges a game. To be honest with you, and and, and like yes, the human element is there, but don't forget, guys, like. A ref job is, is really like hard. You remember when they had the replacement refs and all the fans were going crazy, like the 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 interception touchdown. You remember that call? Like it, it, to have these guys 
you know, call these games. Like, it, it's not easy for them. And then you could talk about the angle he had and all that other stuff. Okay, but, but hold on. But, I, I but to that. pump the brakes here, it's their job. It's their I job. Understand. It's I a understand. tough job, it's job, but it's that's their effing why, job. We pay them why, for their judgment. That's why you should be able to challenge, and I, I think coach should be able to challenge anything because of the human element of it. And I think it, it should be three challenges a game and not two. Um, I'd be it, fine with it too. I mean, I think like the, most, the vast majority of games go without any challenge or one of two challenges. So giving them a third, but the ability to challenge anything especially if you decentralize the review or, or centralize the review and put it in New York. I, I, I mean, by the time we come out of commercial break, it's done, right? But, like it, it actually speeds the game up. So I, I'd yeah, be fine but with even that if, but, but even if it takes them a little bit longer to get the call right, I think none of us would be too com- – we're not going to be complaining about that. Like as long as they get the call right, we'll be fine because it's your team or my team or any team. Sure. Yeah, we want them to get the call right. And trust me, if the game was still going on until today, we'd still be watching. Like, no, I, I'm with you, dude. I'm stop. with you. But like, you have, you have, like, we had money on the game, right? Like, all these people that that should have won on the Saints, uh, anybody who bet the Saints, I mean, like you said, ninety eight probably ninety eight percent probability that if they make that call correctly, they the win Saints the win the game. Yeah. Right. So, like, Vegas has a piece of this too. The NFL's got an official gambling partner in the MGM. Like, you, those people can't be, they can't be happy either about this. So, like, ultimately, like. If it was reviewable and they overturned it and said it was pass interference and were, and whatever and the Saints win, like what do the Rams fans get upset about? Like there's nothing to get upset about. Well, ultimately everybody wants the call to be correct. That's it. So, I, I mean, look, the the flip side is in the second game, right? Brady gets a, a phantom hit and a phantom call. Then there's a free play on an offside, which is terrible, you know. And the whole like overtime bit. My big takeaway out of that game, there's just two takeaways. If you're the Chiefs and Andy Reid, how do you only how do you only get the ball to Tyreek Hill one time in the game? And it was a big play, but like how do you not get him the ball more? Right? It's the same thing we said when the Eagles and the uh, and the Bears played a couple weeks back. Like, how do you not get Tyreek Cohen the ball more? Like, you've got to run a jet sweep. You got to do something so that just to get Tyreek Hill in the game. I mean, he's sitting out there. He's cold. Yeah, he had that one play, but. Like, I mean, psychologically, he's trying to do too much. I, I would assume that's what happened, right, with the with the punt return situation. Like, he's trying to do too much. So, like, how do you how do you go an entire game with only one target and one touch, or two, three targets and one touch for Tyreek Hill? Like, that is so not Andy Reid that it's terrible. I mean, and and give the Patriots credit, man. I mean, they neutralized Kelsey pretty much the entire game until the fourth quarter. That was a com- complete opposite. The fourth quarter was not a fair representation of the entire game. But look, man, I you just can't bet against Brady, especially in the playoffs. And Gronk, we were killing Gronk for being slow and like just, you know. <laughs> he came to play together. the game that mattered. Yeah, the fourth quarter, he lines up as a wideout twice on the same drive. Huge catches. And huge, I mean, Im- almost impossible catches. You know, and and like I remember turning to, to, to my wife and just being like, like, I, I, I I don't know what to say. Like he's yeah. a tight end, split wide, and he made a catch essentially like without seeing the ball. Like it was. I mean, and he, he did it twice. Gronk essentially did the the reverse of every other NFL player who takes preseason off and then is ready for week one. Gronk <laughs> yeah. essentially took December off and was ready for the playoffs. And those two catches, I mean, 
biggest two <laughs> catches he's had all season for sure. Yeah, easily. Uh, you know, uh, it's just incredible what what the Brady Belichick, like what this is like. And I, I you know, we talked about storylines last week and how great it would be for the old guys. You know, the, the two, you know, the two old guys in Brady and Breeze facing off one more time and potentially one of them, you know, riding off into the sunset with a win and retiring or the storyline that these two like in the in the AFC and the NFC, it's a coming out party for Goff, McVay, and Mahomes and company and everybody. And like it's the young guys and the, it's the it's a new page and a new time in the NFL. We don't get either of those storylines. We get a different one, right? We get Brady versus the Rams for the second time in the Super Bowl, bookending potentially his career, which is pretty cool too. You know, all the way back in two thousand one. I don't think there's anyone else still playing or coaching. Uh, except Brady and Belichick from that 01 from anywhere in the league in 01 to right now. I could be wrong on that, but I mean, we get Brady and 01 facing the Rams as a guy that you replaced Drew Bledsoe and the rest is history. And in 2019, we get Brady versus the Rams, the upstart McVay Goff Rams potentially to book, like I said, to book in his career. How amazing would that story be? Yeah. I mean, if he wins, he's coming back. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's coming back either way, win or lose. Yeah, he's not done. He's but not I mean, done. if you're if you if we're responsible for the pregame show, right, for the Super Bowl, like I, I I would want to get every single person on the the Rams and Patriots O one team, including London Fletcher and Kevin Dyson and whoever else was on that team. I can't. I'm blanking right now. Pull them all out of wherever whatever hole they're in. And march him on the field, and then just have Brady come out and give him all like a handshake and a high five. It's amazing to think he's still playing at the level he is, this like this far removed from that game, basically. And if you remember, like I remember when he won it, and you did the whole like the slow motion head shake bit, like that's twenty freaking years ago. And here we are having the same conversation about Brady and a bunch of people you can't name, uh, but you can't pick out of a line. Gronk is an exception now. Edelman probably is an exception as well, but it's amazing. Like it's, it's, it's incredible. If I, I don't understand how anybody makes the argument that Brady is not the greatest quarterback of all yeah, time. I mean, he is there essentially is no one even remotely close. He, he's on the same planet as Jordan and that's it. That's it. Period. Yeah. yeah I would agree you can't argue it. Yeah. I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a fair point, but honestly, you know, I could also argue the opposite that there's there's been more score like there's been better scorers than Jordan. There's been better shooters, better defenders. The longevity at quarterback that Brady has shown us, like we'll never see a team like we said this ironically was it last year? Uh, like LeBron had been to eight straight Eastern Conference Finals, right? And we would never see that again in our lifetime. Like somebody just dominate. Now the Warriors are are halfway there. But I mean, LeBron did it with with essentially with three teams, right? With uh, the Cavs, and then going to the Miami, and then coming back to the Cavs. What Brady and the the Patriots have done? Will we ever see this again? Like it's incredible! It's incredible what they've accomplished. I mean, he's got a chance to, I mean, lose more Super Bowls than, I mean, <laughs> than Montana won. Like, like the the guy that's widely considered to be the the second best quarterback ever. Like he. He's gonna lose more than that guy won. It's incredible. It's you know incredible. What's a, you know what's amazing about that? If Brady wins the Super Bowl, that will be his sixth Super Bowl. Do you know the team with the most Super Bowl victories? Do you know what team that is? 
think it's the, the Steelers? Steelers have six, right? The Steelers, Steelers. Have six. the Steelers have six. So he would by himself match an entire team's total of Super Bowl wins. That's sure. insane. That's in the, you're right. He's doubling up the Redskins. He's quad. He's he's tripling up the the Denver Broncos. Like and all the teams that had like think of all the teams that he has like stopped. This is like the the Jordan piece that I like about your argument, FP, is that when we talk about the greatness of Jordan, we talk about all the players that he kept from winning a championship. Right, like like Barkley couldn't yeah. get through him. Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, they couldn't get through him. Carl Malone. Uh, John Ewing. Stockton, they couldn't get through him. Patrick Ewing couldn't get through him. John Starks couldn't get through him. Alonzo Mourning couldn't get through him until he basically later on uh, when he was with the, uh, I think Alonzo Mourning won one. I could be wrong on that. But the point is, like, the greatness of Jordan is he stopped all of these guys from getting from getting rings. Now, think about Brady. Just think about all the people he stopped from getting rings. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it's you're incredible. you're absolutely right. Most importantly, being Philip Rivers, I feel bad for that guy the most, but... Yeah, I mean, Brady is – it's insane not only that he's still doing this, but that he's still kind of at his prime. So yeah. he's he's literally double the age of some of these people out here, and he's and he's giving it to them, and he's he's going one for one with these guys. Like, he what, what was it? He was the, the oldest quarterback age difference between him and Mahomes and the, the biggest – playoff yeah. game appearance ever between him and Mahomes with his one like it's insane that it's that big of a gap and you look at Tom Brady that this past Sunday he looked like he was 27 years old he had the torque he was making his throws I mean he he didn't look old he didn't look battered down he just looked like he was Tom Brady standing back there being a surgeon and dissecting a defense you know and frankly like you look at this Patriots team what's different between this Patriots team and last year's or the year before's right, and this is like I know we're really down in the weeds here, and I, I'm I, I'm actually blanking on the name of their offensive line coach. But in the year, like the 28 to three comeback win over the Falcons, the offensive line coach, and I'll pull his name here in a second. He he retired last year. They got tattered, and Brady got pummeled. Belichick and Brady had a meeting at the end of last season after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and trying to identify what like what was different between their teams. And he came back and he basically said, I got hit a lot more. So guess what? They went and pulled that coach back out of retirement to coach the offensive line. And here we are now. Look forward. Brady doesn't get touched. He yeah. never gets yeah. touched. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. With a bunch of guys with a, I mean, a bunch, it's a nondescript line. It's not like they're studs. He never gets touched. So, you know, credit, credit to the Patriots. They, like, I, you can't bet against Brady. You just can't. As attractive as the Rams look in this game, Offensive firepower, defensive star power. You j- I'm just, I'm not, I don't have enough, uh, I don't have the stones to go against Brady. Not after what I saw on Sunday. Do yeah, either I'm, of you? I'm with you. I, I, I don't have it in me either. I can't go against Brady. And, and the thing is, like you said, he's not getting touched. And if he does get touched, that's 15 yards. So it's like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they won't miss calls on Brady. Right. No, you said it. You said it. I mean, look, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. I, I, I'm not really sure what to expect, but, you know, my early gut is, uh, you know, how, you guys know I love my prop bets, Super Bowl prop bets. So I'm taking the under on Brady rush yards. I'm taking the over on total points. I'm taking the over on number of times McVay has to get pulled to the side off the <laughs> off the sideline. I'm taking, uh, you know, I'm taking the uh, I'm going with the, the gray sweatshirt for Belichick. Like, you know, I'm all about the prop bets. It keeps the game a lot, you know, interesting. 
Um, but before we, you know, uh, do you guys want to talk about the Wizards and the Caps, or should we just jump right into fire Bruce Allen? Wizards good, Caps bad. That's all you need yeah. to know right now for well, those two teams. Uh, I want to. I just want to <laughs> add that Bradley Beal has taken his game to another level, and they look good. Otto Porter is the most expensive expensive sixth man I think I've ever the league has ever had. Basically, yeah. a max player coming off the bench. But the the little tinkering that that uh, Coach Scotty B has done here has actually benefited the team tremendously. They look they look like they care, and they're a game and a half out of the eighth spot, which is both good and bad. And I know Ted Leonsis said that we'll never we'll never tank and blah blah blah. Frankly, they're too good to tank in that they're I mean they're a they're a they're a bottom half of the league team, but they're not they're not terrible enough to actually tank and and you know move up enough in the draft uh, where it matters. Um, but Bradley Beal just he he really has taken his his game to another level. And this morning, you know, Scotty Brooks said as much. He said like I didn't expect him to be able to do this offensively, and more importantly, he wants to guard the you know the opposing team's best player every night. Like he's he's using this opportunity, and I don't think there's any bad blood between him and, and John Wall. But he's using this opportunity to really show what he's capable of. And and I think when we talk about the best two way shooting guards or off guards. He's got to be really close to the top of the list. He's playing phenomenal right now. He's untradeable. He's untradeable on this team. No, I mean, really, what he's all he's doing right now is cementing that this is essentially his team. He's the guy where John Wall came in, had the red carpet treatment, and it was his team. Now, when John Wall comes back, essentially after two years off, the 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 personas have to match now. You can't look at one or the other and be like, oh, that's their team. It is, if anything, it's equal now between Wall and Beal. Um, probably swayed more in Beal's presence. Um, but he's he's definitely making a name for himself in Wizards or in Wizards history. Like he's definitely he's not gonna be I backing agree. down. Yeah, I mean uh, the, I'm I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I think I mean I think the Wizards as a team just play a lot better without Wall. And and when Beal is playing like this, I mean it's it's just ridiculous. Like they they spread the ball better. They they're just a better team without Wall. And honestly, I think you know they should look into moving Wall. I mean, I know they can't, but you I, know, I, I was I was big on on believing that. And and LP's gonna hate when he listens to this show and realizes we went into this without him. But after looking into depth about that injury that he's dealing with, and the other players that he hasn't really had around him, he's still getting the ball to the other guys. The problem isn't really on Wall and the team not playing well with Wall. The problem is when Wall is on the court, the other guys kind of don't try as hard, and you can't really p- pin that on Wall. You can't. But Wall's blame game Wall. is also a little different. Like Wall's no, also, of course, of course, he's also he's more of a throwback guard in that he's like he can create for himself, but he he's not a consistent three point shooter. And in a league where you have guys like James Harden taking like fourteen and a team taking like thirty plus, like the the team gets hurt. When he's only taking, ironically, when he's only taking six or seven and hitting two or three of them, right? So I'll agree with that. But when you have when you have the rest of the guys on the court not really playing at a hundred percent when Wall is on the court, you can't really blame that on Wall. And then when he's off and the rest of the guys go, "Oh f, we need to play harder because Wall's not here," and then all of a sudden they're playing harder. Well, you can't really blame that on Wall. And to your point, Scotty, you know, Coach Brooks has said. Like that sometimes Wall takes some creative uh, liberties with the play calling, right? Whereas now, like the offense is running, whether it's through whoever it's running through, they're they're actually running plays, right? right. It shows on the offensive and the defensive side, as opposed to 
you know, wasting half the possession, dribbling around. Like it just the team looks better. But I think, you know, once upon a time, Bradley Beal couldn't stay healthy himself, right? And he missed right. the, the better part of two seasons. And now he's played basically back to back to back or back to back and half a back season uh, without missing any time. And I think we can still get that type of con- continuity out of wall, you know, and I don't like to pick on him with the weight and the, the off the court stuff, but <laughs> there is, I think when he looks at this team and he sees what they're, what they're doing, I, I think he will be motivated to maybe come in, come in in better shape. Um, and, you know, and, and you still got Dwight Howard kind of in the wind. You don't know what you have with him, if anything at all, you know, but they're, they're playing well right now without wall, without, without Markeith, who you know, he's potentially an expendable piece come, come off season. Although I don't trust Ernie to do anything, but look, they're trending in the right direction and, and they're playing like a seven, eight seed and they'll probably get there by the time the season is done, you know, but when we talk about Ernie, we got to talk about Bruce. You know, good old oh, Goose Allen. God, no, did you listen transition. to the ridiculous? <laughs> thank you. Did you listen to the ridiculous presser that he did? I don't even want to call it a presser. I don't know what land that man is sitting in. It, he is not right of mind to be saying the things that he said at the Senior Bowl. It's it's insane that he had like it's insane that the media didn't just laugh in his face. I think they did. I think when when you have <laughs> this guy sitting there. And delusional, like he's delusional. He's either like he—it's not either. He is delusional to think that this team is one or two players away from competing. That is one thousand percent delusional. Wait, is that like, what he I, said? I didn't actually. See oh, repeatedly, he said we were one or two <laughs> breaks away from being a playoff team this year. You know, we missed the playoffs by two games, and yeah, he was kind of hanging his hat on it. And that—that's what like irks me the most is that you're you're line of success is we almost made the playoffs. We were two games away from being the sixth best best team in our conference out of 16. Like what kind of garbage are you that you're happy that you're an eighth place team? Like it's, it's insane. It's insane that you're going to come out here and be like, we were three games out of the playoffs. We're doing great because somehow to him, that's success. And somehow when you go 31, 32, and 1 over the last four seasons, you think you're a good team. That's literally the definition of mediocrity. So you should go. things that, that immediately popped to my mind. So I just recently watched the Fire Festival documentary. Did you guys see this yet on Netflix or Hulu? Yeah, I heard about it. I didn't, I didn't watch it. Yeah, yeah. So it's must-watch, okay? It's fascinating. It and the really first thing good. I thought, the first thing I thought was, man, you know what? Billy and, and, uh, and good old Goose Allen have a lot in common here. <laughs> now one is in jail and one isn't, but they're both they're they both convinced have convinced themselves that they are the smartest people, or like in the room in the world whatever, and they won't allow people to correct them or tell them otherwise. Like it's it's a complex. I mean, there's no other answer to it. That was the first thing that popped into my mind. The second thing that popped into my mind was like how wh- like what value does he actually bring to the organization? Because he is now, like, during that presser, he refused to talk about, like, the Brian LaFamina hiring or firing and said that now we have the right people in place that are going to be able to better connect with the fans. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense because they, the people that are now in the role that LaFamina had and his team had were previously in the building. And Bruce and Dan were not satisfied with what they were doing, so they brought in... La Famina and company, 
Now they're gone, and the old guard is back in place. So you you have the right people in place now, but you didn't have them in place two years ago, which is why you brought in an outside hire that Dan Snyder courted for a year to bring over. Like this is like you you know you know when you talk to somebody who like is like lying and compi- like the lie is compiling or it's compounding and they're trying to keep the story straight in their head. That's what I think of. Like, that's what I hear coming out of Bruce. Like, I don't think he can keep his story straight anymore. I think it's to the point where he's better off actually just remaining completely silent because every time he opens his mouth, we get more insight into something that just either that paints him in a, in a stupid light or the people around him in a stupid light. Look, like, like, for example, the fact that his his VP of player personnel turns his phone off at 930 and didn't know that, that the team had traded for Alex Smith. Right? Like, this is crazy. This is crazy talk. This is crazy land. And only no, Redskins yeah. fans understand this. To, to, to be Bruce Allen and escape all the questions that were thrown at him, what did you think about Week 17 against the Eagles? Oh, it's because we were injured and nobody wanted to see the crap we're putting on the field. He doesn't realize that it's because the overall product and the team is is being disrespected by its own fans even when they were 6-3. and three. What did you think about the fire Bruce Allen movement? Oh, our, our fans are really passionate. That's all he had to say. Like He's not looking at what is literally in front of his face, and he refuses to do it. And I don't know what they're thinking over there, but to have him come out here in a hoodie and be like, oh, I'm just like these fans, and I want the same thing as these fans, and I'm a fan just the way these fans are. You don't know what the fans want because we want you gone. That's literally the only thing the fans want. So you can't come out here and be like, oh, great, passionate fan base, and I'm just like them, and we want to win, and we're two, we're two players away from maybe making the playoffs. That, I, don't, I think I came up with a way that we could actually give some teeth to the fire Bruce Allen movement. Hear me out on this, okay? What does Dan <laughs> Snyder love? Money. Money. Money, okay? What is he not generating right now during the fire Bruce Allen era at FedEx? Money. Money, Money. right? Because the stadium's empty. What if, as fans, we actually did like a change.org or a petition where if he fired Bruce Allen, we would all commit to paying over face value by like 50 bucks to attend games? No. Just think about it. Just think about it for a second. Just do the Redskins. It's called... TV revenue share. No, but it's Snyder also called $12. No, but it's also called $12 beers and all those concessions. That's that's money too, right? Yeah, but that's what, money too. So he, he lost what 18 million this year, but he still brought in what 260 million from his revenue share. He doesn't sure. care. He but doesn't isn't care. 260 million plus 18 million better than 260 million? Minus so, so he can put a couple more recliners in front of his IMAX theater on his yacht? <laughs> uh, second yacht. Second yacht. Second Number two. Yacht. Who needs Number an two. IMAX theater on a yacht? Think about that. Well, why does he need 14 guest suites on his yacht? It's just him and Bruce. It's such like, an who awesome. Else, who else is hanging an, out there? An IMAX theater on your yacht is such an awesome flex, though. I can't even hate on him. That's just so I much mean, F I you mean, money. Yeah, I was going to say that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> Look, that's the only idea that I got, man. You got to get somehow the money talks, right? And and I do believe that Dan wants to win. Well, I used to believe it. I believe he wants to make money. I don't think he's going to sell the team. And I don't think he. Yeah. 
my idea right now is you got to take Darius Geis and put him in charge of PR because you have articles coming about this kid incredible. taking fans to go watch the movies together, just handing out signed memorabilia, playing Fortnite. He alone is the Redskins positive PR, and it's insane that the well, guy Alex that Alex Smith has been okay too. I mean, I gotta give Alex Smith credit. He did, he did go hang out with the with the Wiz, and people finally saw him. Like he's trying. It's not his fault that his leg exploded. No, yeah, I, I agree. But I'm saying it's the players are right now the positive PR, except for Mason Foster and Zach Brown. Those two bobos can go. And Swearinger just knocked us on his Instagram post talking about how Gruden will never be capable of winning. I, the I don't know. I just hate this team so much. I, I can't. I know, and it's 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 a, it's a <laughs> it terrible hurts. curse that it we hurts. live with here. But anyway. Anyway, uh, you know, at least we got some sound bites to to give us a chuckle out of Goose Allen, you know. But now we got the whole Kyler Murray. Are we gonna go? Are we gonna really draft uh, a five foot seven, you know, stick figure to come play quarterback? Are we going de- back down the RG three like trail here at fifteen? Because of course, every mock draft have to, has us drafting him at fifteen. Personally, I'd rather them just spend a little bit of money and sign Tyrod. Personally, at least he's a proven commodity. He's a 500 Stein quarterback, maybe Tyrod Taylor Ty- oh, to Rod God. Taylor. Oh God! No, he, look, he's bet he'd be better than he'd be better than Colt. He'd be better than Jack Johnson or whatever his name is. He'd be better than Fitzmagic. He can come in. He's I mean he's not a he's not a terrible quarterback, and you know he'll be cheap. Yeah, yeah but you're not going to win anything with him. You're not winning you know anyway. You're not winning anyway. So then why dra- So then why pay this guy and bring him in and lose anyway? Because you're paying him like two million dollars instead of drafting a quarterback and paying him like forty million dollars again, right? It's I money. It does. I, it doesn't matter. This is this is the Redskins. You'll end up with Sam Bradford somehow being worth another first round pick, and <laughs> I, I I don't I I give up. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, should we all give up then? Any final thoughts, FP? Um, the Caps really need their break coming up they've been on a huge losing streak um and if you are one of these fake fans that bought a jersey recently and you started rocking it and that's why we started losing please take your jersey off come on you're not that superstitious <laughs> i am that superstitious he really is <laughs> 20 how about you final thoughts um you know i talk about the kids in the maga hat the catholic uh, school boys oh the media the, uh, got that story all wrong with that indian chief or whatever yeah confronted them yes that one and then they did the tomahawk uh, salute to him no i don't want to talk about that uh, okay i think uh yeah no i mean i'm excited about the wizards i'm glad they're on a little winning streak um i hope they keep it up i hope they win tomorrow night auto usually has a big game against the uh, warriors so <laughs> we'll see what happens is it a finals preview Absolutely not. <laughs> Maybe not exactly, right? No. Maybe not exactly. Maybe. All not. right, boys. Okay. Well, we got some other shows coming up this week. I, we got to do a like a special Super Bowl prop bet show, just prop bets. Steve, I think, is going to make an appearance on Friday this week. Now, I'm excited to talk some uh, some non sports topics with him. So feel free to join that one. That should be fun. We're definitely going to get to the bottom of the uh, Make America Great. Uh, high school boys, fake protest, outrage, mob mentality, crazy lefty, 
I uh, think the, the Pelosi Trump battle is way way more entertaining than anything. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. We'll talk about the wall too. So that's coming on Friday. Prop Super Bowl prop bet show. We got to do that probably early next week when the lines get a little bit more uh, set. Uh, you know, and believe it or not, we're uh, we're approaching NBA All Star Weekend, and we're we're what seven weeks removed from March Madness. So just let that sink in too. We got. We're entering a very fun time of the year here, even though we're about to say goodbye to the NFL. But for now, thank you all for listening. Please find this podcast, Defeating the Curse, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, and pretty much anywhere else, including our website, DefeatTheCurse.com or DefeatingTheCurse.com. We're on IG. We are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. And pretty much anywhere you can think of that we should be, we are. So find us, engage with us. Thank you so much for listening. For 20 and for FP, my name is Joe. Have a great night. We are out.